Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Running Through the Jungle podcast. This is your boy, Justin Lacey, a.k.a. I'm just bangling around. But that's how we get it down in downtown Cincinnati. I just literally created that. I don't know what I'm doing here when it comes to trying to rap. I can't rap, so please don't judge me. How you guys doing, Bengal Nation? How you doing, man? I'm happy to be with you. It's your boy, Justin Lacey. Like I said, I'm running solo today. My boys, Brandon Harriet and Tim Lyons. They're out sick right now. Well, Tim is out sick, and Brandon's got a work thing come up. So I guess to join you all with you guys solo today. So just wanted to share my thoughts with you today. But first and foremost, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. Click that notification bell so that way you'll be notified when we go on the air live. Sometimes we're live. Sometimes we're just going to post the auto straight after we do an episode. But either way, you don't want to miss us when we go on air. So I'm happy to be with you guys today. And let's get it. Let's get it. So 
last week we talked a lot about some football stuff you know talking about the Bengals biggest needs and what we think were the biggest team needs um how can they retool the roster so that way they can get back get themselves back into championship contender um it's 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 they're gonna have their work cut out for them they, they're really gonna have their work cut out for them so it's going to be an interesting it's going to be a really interesting thing for them to do um it's not going to obviously be impossible but i'm really intrigued on how they handle this offseason you've heard me talk on the mic many a times about the Bengals that this is the offseason where they need to be aggressive and the first thing that they need to be aggressive so here's what we're going to do I'm going to already talk about something that I've already shared in the previous episodes about addressing their biggest need. And so I feel like that this is really a great way to start right here. You're hearing multiple people's opinions about where the Bengals feel like that they need to attack the most when it comes to trying to retool this roster, get themselves back in championship contention in the window there. You know, you hear all about the offensive line. And I feel like that we've been talking O-line for like six straight off seasons now since the end of 2015. Well, basically since the end of 2016, I feel like the O-line has always been a topic of conversation on the top of everybody's radar. And my thing is, you how many times, how much more are you going to keep pumping money into that area on the, on the field, on the team? Because the thing is, though, when it comes to, Having a good O-line is it's rare when you get all five guys to play high-level football and or just five just perfect pieces that work in harmony and unison. The problem with that is that you're always going to feel like that you're going to have a donkey somewhere. You know, this offseason, or actually during the season, we've been kind of pointing at it was Cordell Volson. Sometimes we felt like it was Alex Kappa. Believe it or not, people were thinking that Orlando Brown Jr. wasn't playing up to that contract that we signed him in last year's offseason. The goalpost just continues to move on and on. But the thing is, I'm not going to get myself sucked into the idea and the notion that O-line is the Bengals' biggest need. Instead, I feel like that the Bengals' biggest need lies on the trenches on the other side of the ball, and that's the D-line. And that's what we're going to address today. Because I feel like... As I watched the 2023 season unfold, that defensive front just did not look like the same defensive juggernaut that I saw in the last two seasons prior to that when we were playing some of our best football, championship-level football at that. It's not like that we had stacked we had stacked names on top of names. Trey Hendrickson was the premier pass rusher as he developed into that. And then Sam Hubbard was a great run specialist on the defensive end. Then you had the combinations from in 21, you had the combination of BJ Hill, which was a steal of a trade after trading away Billy Price to land him from the Giants, along with Larry Ogan Joby. And then you had a force in DJ Reader, who was the premier run stuffer. I think over the last two years, and obviously there's been some changes. We obviously know that Larry Ogan Joby did not play with the Bengals in 2022, but the residual effects of the defensive line was still performing at a high level unit coming off of their Super Bowl appearing season to going back to the AFC championship game in 22, 2022. I feel like the Bengals team was absolutely just the best in football, even though the record may not have shown that they were the best. But as you watch that team unfold, 
during that 10-game winning streak, they were the best team in football. You, you can just see it. They were just knifing through teams like hot knife on a butter. And part of that was because of the dominant rotation that they had on the defensive line. But for some reason, that just did not hit this time around. 2023, that one was almost to me like that was the weakness of the team. And I feel like that more specifically the interior, it just I just didn't feel like that nobody stepped up. Even when DJ Reader was healthy, it just felt like the dam was going to break way too much. They leaned too much into the bend but don't break defense. But not only that they bent in, didn't break, but they actually broke. I actually said that wrong. Please, <laughs> please forgive me if you listen to me. The bend but don't break defense actually broke, okay? There were times when they showed up when they needed to show up, but that's because of the reluctancy and the consistency of Trey Hendrickson always being a guy that's just going to know how to get after a quarterback when you need him to get there the most. He should have been in a conversation of defensive player of the year. I don't know why his name did not get mentioned on the NFL Honors show, but you know what? That's probably because of the jerseys he wears. At this point, I'm not going to get into the national media conspiracy theories on that. But first and foremost, that's the thing that I I just want to just address. So it is almost mock draft season. You're going to see a lot of people talk about their mock drafts and all that. But before we get into that particular conversation, I want to talk more about the free agency aspect of things, because that needs to that domino needs to land first regarding team building. We're going to get into the conversations regarding like we I got I got a jam packed show today for you guys. I mean, I know everybody says jam packed and I don't really think it's that far fetched. But we're going to get into some things. Obviously, right now, we're going to be talking about the defensive line, the free agency. We're going to get a little bit of the mock draft conversation. I'm not going to do a mock draft for you guys live on the show today, but we are going to get a little bit to that. We are going to talk about a controversial subject matter. We're going to get into some Joe Mixon conversation because his name has just been resurfacing around the block on social media, if you're on Twitter. And honestly, I just kind of had enough of hearing it. It's a lot of negativity going around on his name. And He didn't really do much to deserve the negativity. However, I think it is warranted that we need to have the conversation. And you know what? Then we're going to wrap it up. You know, because. But. Again, back to this D-line. I believe now, before I continue, if you if you've listened to the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they did a preview of each team discussing each team in a division. They did a championship, I guess it's called a championship review, preview of what the roster makeup looks like. Now, I don't have a graphic display to show you on on air, but I'm going to do the very best that I can to try to explain it to you so that what you understand. Now, if you're a loyal follower on Twitter and you follow these kind of things, especially Daniel Jeremiah, he posted the graphic of the roster breakdown of the starting units in each team in the AFC North, because he did the AFC North, and he color label he color coded them with how many blue chip players do each are, are labeled by each starter, and then do you have good players? Those were colored green. Yellow was, yeah, you might ha- you might need to take a look at that because it might just be an injury situation that may have may draw some concern, or it might be a situation with the contract. And then purple, which you need to look to upgrade, okay? The Bengals only had three 
blue chip caliber players. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the third was Trey Henderson. Those are unquestioned guys that were blue chip guys that you know that they're going to show up day in and day out, week in and week out, every season that they're on this team. That's just common sense. They had a number of green, surprisingly, and this actually goes back to my earlier standpoint about the O-line, they had quite a bit of guys that was listed in the green category. Orlando Brown Jr. was a green. You know, he's a good player. Is maybe a blue chip? I don't know. That's debatable. I feel like on any other year in the past, he could have been a blue chip caliber player, but I don't know. But more specifically, it shows you that they have quite a bit of they have quite a bit of good players on the starting unit of both sides of the ball. But the problem was you saw no kind of good players like that on the defensive front. And that's what our issue is. DJ Reader, I believe he was listed, marked as yellow. You know, he's going, he's starting to have some injury concerns. I'm not quite too sure. I can't really, you know, grasp that right off the top of my head right now. But it just shows you that where I think the Bengals should go in free agency is identify another blue chip talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think that in my in the perfect world, you need to get three guys. Not maybe not necessarily three blue chip player guys, but one. Maybe two at max if you're lucky because the thing is, the NFL is everybody is going to identify blue chip talent and going to try to pay top dollar to get those guys on your team. You got to shout some cash for those guys. But I think that if you're a Bengals team that's looking to go all in on the championship window, you have to identify some blue chip talent here in this free agency period. Starting on the D-line. I'm not going to mention a bunch of names here, but I think it's more to covet you know, right off the bat, you got Christian Wilkins, who's a blue chip talent. He's going to cost you an arm and a leg. I'm going to throw away the idea of Chris Jones coming to Cincinnati. I just feel like that that's just, that's just not going to happen. It is somewhat of a pipe dream. Let's say that Chris Jones does show any sort of willingness to come play for his arch rival in the Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to cost a premier premium, a top dollar for a future Hall of Fame caliber defensive lineman. You know, Chris Jones, he's Chris Jones, you know, but you can, you don't necessarily need to go after a guy like Chris Jones to be able to make a championship window, to, to be able to win the Super Bowl if you're this particular Bengals team. You may not even need a guy like Christian Wilkins either who's going to cost an arm and a leg for you, but you do need to start stacking up some guys. I would like to get a blue chip caliber player like a Christian Wilkins on my defensive line. That way, it will be able to not necessarily have us rush a guy like to re-sign a guy like DJ Reader, who's coming off of another injury of himself. But it just gives you a little bit more flexibility that you can let certain guys that has that sh that's been drafted on your team let them develop a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like you got to let some of these guys bake. You know, what I mean? so. I think that that will be a pipe dream, but there's guys like Leonard Williams. There's guys like Sheldon Rankins. There's Javon Kenlaw. There's Javon Hargrave. There's guys that's, if you look down the list, and here's the idea. Instead of waiting to sign a guy to take an offer that you have while he's waiting for other offers to come in, you can identify players that are probably looking, teams on, that players on teams that's probably looking to rebuild at this point. And you can see about performing a trade. Because I think that that's, that's not off the table either. That should not be off the table. 
Yes, it may come with a couple of draft picks that you might lose to acquire that type of player. But if you are serious and contingent, contention, let me say that again. <laughs> if you are serious in contending in 2024 for a Super Bowl championship, you will you will exercise that option and look at it to be like, okay, I may look to make this move. And again, it may not have to be on the defensive line. But I feel like they the Bengals need to get better on all three levels of the defense. You know, at linebacker. That was a sneaky need that I brought to the table as well as this Bengals team may need to look there to address as another one of their biggest needs. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt has been in the team since 2019 and 2020, each of their particular draft uh, position, draft years respectively. But also, along with the defensive front, the linebacking core took a step back too. Now, that's not to say that both players are played are just bad players. They're not. But they didn't play great football during twenty during this past season. So I think that you probably got to look to upgrade there. Maybe you can add the blue chip caliber player there. I've been I've been I've been kind of ident- my ideal candidate for a linebacker that I would love to see, you know, plug them right there in the middle between the two guys, and they can just rock and roll it right there and there at that position would be a Devin White kind of guy. But there's other options that you can look at too. You don't have to just be Devin White because Devin White. He may be a guy that's going to be coveted. His name his name alone and his draft status may warrant to him getting coveted, you know, <laughs> elsewhere. Hell, the Dallas Cowboys, I can see him throwing some money here, showing some money out to his way to pair him alongside with Micah Parsons in their defensive line. So you never know. But if you're serious about setting a true message, sending a true message to the fan base, to the team, saying that, hey, we're going all in this year, we need dogs. We just need dogs. I think Devin White is that dog that you can realistically get for a pretty fair price. He's fallen out of favor in Tampa Bay. I don't know why. He's had contract issues between him and the the team, which led to him being a healthy scratch for a good portion of the season. Now, he did play on the back end in some of the playoff run, but he wasn't even a starter. Do much of that, do much of their uh, postseason run there a little bit there, and that made me question like, could can he be had for a reasonable price? And going back to the defensive line, I'm not I'm not looking past the defensive end as a need because I think it's about time that you need to have that conversation about Sam Hubbard and his production, and maybe you need to start implementing a rotation kind of piece there to make sure that maybe somebody can take over during the years where he can just start maybe rolling off the bench because his question is in play too. I'm looking at Chase Young. I don't know how much he's going to command on an open market, but he's a blue chip caliber name that was a former defensive rookie of the year that can come in and just take snaps away from him and probably be a growing edge that you can pair him alongside with Trey Hendrickson. They're both relentless pass rushers. He's good against the run too. He's great against he's great at rushing a passer. And I still believe in this potential. He's he's not a bust. He just had a several, he's had a few injuries, you know, that kind of just set him back a little bit. But you just gotta do what you gotta do, man, to just kind of revamp this defense. And then the secondary, I'm not necessarily gonna try to point out names or extract any names, but I do think I do think that you just can't look past getting another rotational guy that is a a starting level caliber safety 
just to help the young guys along, man, they got burnt so much during the season. And part of it is just because the main number one thing is because they're just young guys. They're, they're in this thing is going to happen. Corners are going to get beat. Miscommunication assignments, that's just going to happen. But you cannot allow that to be the excuse going into this season. It should not even been an excuse as the season progressed. They should have been able to grow together as the team grew together naturally, even with their injury to Joe Burrow. I expected the secondary to be able to at least pick up the pace and start generating more turnovers, but I didn't see that happen. Obviously, I know other injuries have derailed the team in the season as well, too, but you know what? It's not out of the realm of possibility that this team can perform better even when some of their best guys are on the field. We saw it, okay? Cam Taylor-Britt was out for a few games, I think four games total, and yet he, the team still held its own. Okay, it, it just sucks because you want your best guys out there. But life in the NFL is not always kind to you. We've got very fortunate not having as many injuries during the last two seasons. This season, we had to go through that adversity and battle it. Now you just got to show that you can grow and become an even better version of yourself, no matter if you got a rookie back there or a second year or a fifth year guy back there. I think Jordan Battle is going to take that next step, though. But. Overall, I believe that the Bengals need to try to do what they can to acquire talent on all three levels of the defense, but the biggest need is defensive line. Playing in the AFC North, you got to have some dogs on that D-line and be ready to go into a fist fight. If you got players that's not ready to go into a fist fight, teams like Baltimore, teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Cleveland, they all play in your division and they know how to run the ball down your throat. They will sniff that, they will sniff that out like it's nothing. And they will keep bullying you and bullying you on the ground until you stop them. So get the defensive line fixed. That's my number one D. Sorry. But as I mentioned before, we are in mock draft season. Like I say, I'm not going to bore you by doing a mock draft, even though I find some mock drafts entertaining. The Bengals do pick at number 18 in round one. We all know that. But I think the biggest thing is that you don't look at the draft as if you don't get the player that the bank you hope that if the Bengals don't select the player that you hope that they select at the with the 18th pick in the NFL draft, don't think that the that the world is over. Many people are mocking Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia, to go to the Bengals at pick 18. It could happen, or it can't. Many people are also banking that they're going to get a versatile defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. Well, I guess now he's going by Johnny Newton. But that'll be a great pick, too. But again, you got to play the board how it falls. But one thing I will hope that the Bengals do is that they read the draft well and they be aggressive if they absolutely know that they have to do it. Don't be scared to go and get your guy, man, because if you you are a winning team, you are a winning organization. You got to start looking at yourself and looking at your front office and looking at the moves that you make as winning organization-like moves. If a guy starts to slide that you know is going to be a premier value to your team, because the draft is where you find the best value, not also, but and also you got to pair him with the need, don't get me wrong, but it's where you find the best value. If a guy that gives you the most values tends to slide down that draft board, be aggressive and trade up. That's all I'm asking. Like, Don't worry about how much assets you may have to give give up now it's easy to say that because i'm just a guy talking on the mic but nonetheless i just want to see the Bengals feel like that they can absolutely just they can just do what that takes 
to go get their guy and go all in. That's what I want to see. Personally, for me, it's between two to maybe three guys. Okay. I haven't done a lot of film watching on a lot of these prospects. I am going off of the sheer fact of with other guys that I that I follow on social media, that I other podcasts, um, podcasters, NFL analysts. You know, I'm I'm going off of the film studies that they've already done because I don't tend to watch college football until it's too late, until it's draft season, which is about now. And now that's when I'm going back, you know, typing up in game certain games and whatnot, and just and then I'll start the process from there. Usually, if I'm hearing the name resurface quite a bit, then I'm going to usually start watching that particular player, and then to start, yeah, obviously it'll start some highlights, but then I'm going to start pulling up actual game tape, and then watch the whole sequences of certain games to see if players are understanding the down and distances and such and such. You know, there's a lot that goes into film study, but. My process is a little bit different than probably other people. But the three names that I'm tending to follow through follow here is a guy like Johnny Newton, the defensive tackle out of Illinois. Seems like he's a very versatile defensive tackle, three-tech caliber player. He can be a future blue-chip guy that if you let him play not, maybe some early snaps, he can eventually be that guy that, surplant, that can be a future of what Geno Atkins was the Bengals in 2010 for much of his career as a Bengal. Well, all of his career as a Bengal, I should say. Johnny Newton feels like they, he can bring that potential to this team. But it's also more important and evident to think that he can bring the value that you need on that defensive line so that way if you don't get the best guy in free agency, but you had to sell for maybe, you know, a tier two level free agent. You know, someone that's going to be a fair fair price, along with maybe potentially bringing back DJ Reader, because I still want that to happen too. I think a guy like Johnny Newton, he can be a guy that can potentially steal snaps from both of them and be like, yo, I'm ready to go in right away. But you don't necessarily have to rush him, rush him into the starting lineup, but he can sort of grow and progress in the starting lineup as he starts getting better and better and better. That's how these things work. Think about when we drafted Jamar Chase with the fifth pick in 2021. That was a draft that really polar, simpli- really, really simplified value over need. The Bengals needed to be more explosive, but Jamar Chase elevated the entirety of the receiving room. He wasn't coming in to be a number one right away. He came in to fill basically the value, basically to be an added addition to what we already have in Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And he was just able to grow from there. That's where you have to think about when it comes to these draft these draft picks. Johnny Newton can feel like that, a guy that he can come in and add to what you already have, and he can just intertwine himself with some of the other talent that's there, and eventually he'll start surpassing those talented players because he has that potential. Not a lot of the pieces that are on the defensive line currently is constructed is not what Johnny Newton is. So Johnny Newton has a very good opportunity to do more on his Bengals defensive front instead of just being, you know, a defensive tackle that has an athletic ability to rush the passer. And I'm also hearing that he's not as strong in the run, but he can grow. He can, he again, line him up next to DJ Reader. I bet you that changes. But again, I, I digress from that point. Johnny Newton is a guy that I'm looking at, but I'm also looking at Brock Bowers too. How could you not? The dude is an all-world tight end talent from Georgia. And, man, 
man, oh man, oh man. Love the guy to death, man. And if he was there at 18 and he if he slays down slides down the board at 18, because I know he's picking up interest from other teams that's picking before us. I would, man, I yeah, he almost just gotta do it just because he just adds a great he he's an added dimension uh in the room. He's an investment at that at that position, and he adds another different element of the passing game that Joe Burrow needs. So that way he's not always keying in on 11 personnel. Well, a guy like Brock Bowers can come in on 12 personnel in different type of packages. So that way you're not trotting out the same three guys all the time and teams know where you're going to go. And he can block. I've seen him block. But you also got to just understand this. The word generational gets used overused so much when it comes to draft season. And I've been hearing generational get thrown out a little bit more about Brock Bowers. But we did the same thing with Kyle Pitts. We also did the same thing with O.J. Howard back in the day. We got to stop that. Just let Brock Bowers be Brock Bowers. If he makes sense for your team, and I think he does, then that's when you, then that's why you take him. He fills a need, and he enhances the value in the passing game. And I think that if the Bengals have that opportunity to draft him, you draft him. The third guy to me, this is in a situation if both Johnny Newton and – Brock Bowers, we're not there. To me personally, I'm probably going to go Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle out of Texas. I think that he is a guy that has more athletic traits and more elite run-stopping ability, more so than Johnny Newton from what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing. But he's also a guy that I can also see that can just be a big body that can take up space, and you already sort of have that. And that's what I'm already looking for the Bengals to invest. But if he's there, you know, again, I'm not going to spend too much time on him where I haven't done all the film work on, on him. But if he's there, man, you just take him, you know, just <laughs> there's nothing wrong with adding another big, large human being in the middle just to plug in a gap in the run. Because you got to stop the run in the AFC North. You got to stop the run, period, in the NFL. But more specifically, in order to be successful in your division, to get back to your winning ways within the division, you got to stop the run. And Byron Murphy is right then and there. He's. He's head and shoulders that. So I would absolutely welcome that addition. But but furthermore, I think it's just an important reminder that during this mock draft season, before the NFL draft rolls out, the Bengals are probably going to pick pick a person that you may not even know that's on their radar. Don't get mad about it. Just be happy because I didn't even bring up offensive line. If a tackle is on the board that fits their their presumed need in that or presumed value at this point, I would not entertain. I would absolutely not say no to that. I'm just looking forward to the Bengals to invest in that position in free agency, maybe some short-term added additions. But more specifically, you find value in the draft. But also, don't get too cute with it, too. Just because a guy like, let's say, Rome Odunze, the wide receiver out of Washington, falls at 18. You can entertain taking him at that spot. But more so, I would entertain maybe trading back and collecting assets unless somebody else jumps up and get him, and they'll give you a boatload of picks just to get just to go up there to get him at that point. Be smart. You got to make some sort of future investment at the wide receiver position, but you already got guys that you got to invest in currently on the team. It doesn't make no sense to draft another first-round wide receiver at that point. That's just my personal thoughts. Again, people may not agree. And I don't care if you agree or disagree. Just got to respect that this is what I think. 
just like I respect what other people think, even if I do think that is wrong. But we are going to take a quick little break. And then when we get back, it's time to address a conversation regarding a particular player, a fan favorite, a personal favorite of mine. It's time that we get into this because, you know what, enough is just enough. We got we to gotta get ready to go into some Joe Mixon conversation. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm doing fine solo today on a Running Through the Jungle podcast. Again, I'm your boy, Justin Lacey, just bangling around on Twitter. You know, that's what I'm doing today. So before we went to break, I went into the needs of the Bengals, what I feel like that the Bengals' biggest needs are regarding free agency and, you know, talking about the addition of mock draft season. So we're in that mode now where it's not a lot of things to talk about. So we're going to just be beating at these things at a dead horse until moves are actually physically made. So, you know, we're, we're grasping at straws for news. We are so desperate to get some news, some Bengal worthy news to talk about. So that way it can last us a few shows. But also this is a time for me to be able to give my personal thoughts and feelings about some things. So the off season is a fun time. To say, you know, things that I can't necessarily talk about during the season because I'm so focused on the game. I'm so busy trying to work on previewing the game, post-game reactions, in-game adjustments, all that stuff, you know, player injuries, player spotlight. And, and I'm not just focusing on the Bengals. I'm focusing on other teams, too. And then I'm doing all kind of analysis on these things. So it's really hard to give like take like a step back and just decompress from what the season actually was. And then just sort of take it all in, you know. So I'm usually I'm usually kind of nicknamed the storyteller when it comes to the three of us, myself, B Dirt, Tim, and Tim Lyons, and also my boy Chase Young. So, you know, make sure you definitely could check them out on Cut to the Chase podcast. And also, do not forget during game days we also have Pay Dirt. And I know obviously we're not in the NFL season now. The season is obviously officially over, but there's other sports that need to be gambled on too. So it's always worth to give that a little, get that little click and a little check that out. So just had to give all of them a shout out here too. Now, it's time for the actual conversation that needs to be had. Our player spotlight for the day is Joe Mixon. No surprise. I've already said it a little bit in the earlier during the show. And now it's that time that we need to have the conversation regarding him. Joe Mixon has been one of my favorite Bengals since he was drafted. I remember when he was drafted, everybody already knew about the controversy that came with him because of the incident that happened in Oklahoma. Well, I think he was a freshman, if I'm not mistaken. He served his time, but ever since he was drafted, he was nothing but a stand-up gentleman. He did a lot of work in the community. He did he he brought energy and enthusiasm to the football team, especially in a time where the Bengals absolutely had no no hope. You know, and that 2017 season was pretty tough. Jeremy Hill was still the starting running back who had a bad year. Giovanni Bernard, he was still the, he was still there, 
but he wasn't necessarily a, the more impactful guy at times. He was great as a pass blocker and always a one hell of a team player. But you always knew that the guy that had the that that had the it to him was Joe Mixon. And I was very happy when the Bengals selected him in the second round, especially in the season during the draft where so many people took them took him off their draft boards because of that incident. And I'm not going to regurgitate what that incident was. But since we drafted him, he's just been nothing but a pro, a pro's pro. Now, he's had some really good seasons. He's had some moments where I feel like that he could have been – he was the best player on the team at some points. 2019, he was the best player on the team by far. And that was the year we went 2-14 and 14 with Andy Dalton's last year. A.J. Green was out for the season. Joe Mixon was the guy that he was the heartbeat and soul of the NFL, of the Bengals team that year. And he was the perfect player that you can keep keep around when Joe Burrow was drafted as a rookie in 2020. You brought in guys like T. Higgins. You still had Tyler Boyd, obviously, there, too. And then when you added Jamar Chase, it was just nice to see Joe Mixon experience a winning culture for once. He's still a dominating rusher when he's at his best. But the hate that swirls around him is subdued to the fact of people feel like that Izzy, Izzy finally lost a step. And what are we going to do with him? Um, we talked about it briefly last show that he has a little over an $8 million cap hit. But I think a little over $5 million of that is pure cash. He's already taken a pay cut, taking a pay cut last offseason. I think that the fans just need to understand a couple of things here is potentially going to happen. The Bengals can straight up outright cut them and save that dead cap money. I think they're, I don't know how much exactly they're going to save. You know, I just write off some numbers, but you can outright cut them and save, save that money. But you have so much money in cap space. Do that really make sense? Anyways, you can also trade them. If he holds trade value, which I still believe he does to a certain extent. But however, understand that in the free agent market where the running back class featuring Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. You know, there's some good names on this, on this free agent running back like Zach Moss. Um, and there's more. There's there's a plethora of others. You may not be if you're Joe Mixon, you may not get the deal that you want on the open market. But if you who still have who I believe still have trade value as a strong runner, if you get if you can find a way to trade Joe Mixon, then I think it may bode well for him for both parties. It'll be he deserves to be have a fresh start somewhere where this cloud of judgment does not need to be hanging over his head. The other the third option is, and I think is actually kind of silly, is asking if he can take another pay cut. I don't think that he should do that, especially when he's already did it. What I would be more interested in is if they look to restructure and give him cash up front for this year and then push that money back again next year. However, if you're going to do that, then you need to ask other players that's getting some good money too, that's getting paid really good money, how are we going to restructure their contracts too? Again, I'm staring at guys like Sam Hubbard in the face. He didn't have the best year either. Can a restructure be on the table for a guy like him? Um, Orlando Brown Jr. just received $31 million in guaranteed money up front during the first year of his deal. Can he, or I don't know, I think that's how much he received up front. 
Um, can he look to restructure to help um, to help alleviate some better cash flow? I think that can help because then that way you can you can be able to extend guys like T Higgins, which is with absolutely no problem. You can re, you can extend Jamar next offseason with absolute no problem at all, even though I already know that Jamar Chase is in the is already in the long term plans. He's that blue chip caliber player that I mentioned earlier in the show. But nonetheless, man, you got to figure out a way to free up some money while you get ready to extend some of your best guys on the team. Again, I know the controversy was um, swirling. T. Higgins' contract right now is looming larger, too, in the Twitter world or in NFL spaces in general. But I still believe the Bengals retain him, whether if it's tagging him and then whether if they tag him. But I also think that they need to extend him, too. Do not let this be a bad situation when it comes to T. Higgins. But right now, our player spotlight is Joe Mixon. My personal recommendation, what I think the Bengals should do, is trade him. Figure out a way to come together, talk to Joe Mixon, have a heart-to-heart conversation. Say, Joe, we love everything that you've meant for this organization, and we can continue you down the pathway of our, as our number as our featured running back. But I also understand the conversations that are being had is that when the offense is on the field at times, it feels like Joe Mixon is starting to is starting to feel a little different. Joe Burrow operates at his most effective efficiency when he is dealing with, you know, maybe some scat back running backs. Like he's he's performed his best work some with guys like Giovanni Bernard, guys like Simaj P. Ryan last year. But neither one of those guys are better running backs than Mixon. Joe Mixon is still the best running back out of all of those guys. But I think that people have been seeing that and thinking that, oh, we don't need Mixon anymore because other guys can just come in and fill it a void. Chase Brown is starting to come alive now. However, I caution fans to think that way. I caution fans not to think that way, I should say. I'm sorry. Let me say that again. I caution fans not to think that way. Please don't because what you're going to learn is that replacing a guy like Joe Mixon, because, again, you're not replacing him as a running back. You're placing him as a the valuable team member in the locker room as a player. And that right there is what you're going to feel if he's out the door. Okay? I think, like I said, the Bengals need to do their due diligence, and I think that Joe Mixon needs to do due diligence for himself. And they just come to an agreement that, look, I love this team, I care about this team, but I need to go somewhere where I have a chance to feel like that I can compete and, you know, have a better opportunity instead of being feel like I'm being pushed out the door. This whole thing started, really, because the Bengals failed to plan ahead at the running back position last offseason. For the second consecutive year, we're talking about Joe Mixon in a negative light because the Bengals didn't have a plan at the running back position for the two years now. That's the fault of the Bengals' front office. That's the fault of the Bengals' coaching staff. They should have did better. And now a guy like Mixon is getting slaughtered in multiple different areas of the media because he's not giving up money. He's not producing enough. This dude also had, I think he carried the ball 95% of the time during the first half of the season. That is a lot. That is a lot, especially when offense was playing completely bad, led by Joe Burrow and his calf injury. The O-line wasn't blocking well enough. 
the defense was getting gassed, leaving them in piss poor field positions. You know, it was just bad football all around earlier during the season. But somehow, some way, Mixon is being, it felt like Mixon is being scapegoated. And I'm kind of tired of it. However, I will say this the offense do feel, when the offense is at its best under Joe Burrow, it does feel different. It does feel like that Mixon, he's not fast enough to keep up. However, you're not looking him to be super lightning quick and fast. You're looking for him to be consistent. And he has been consistent. However, you just know it when you see the film. And it's not necessarily just projected in his stats. I think that Joe Mixon just deserves an opportunity to be appreciated in a different light. And right now, if I feel like that if he's kept on a roster going into 2024, and if he doesn't produce at a extremely high level or consistent, great pace level like he has been in years past, there are going to be so many fans that's going to turn on him, and that's not fair. So why give him? Why do that? Give him the opportunity to go to a place like, let's say, Philadelphia, Dallas, you know, places like that to where he knows he's going to be surrounded by, a, you know, great situations. The Eagles have the best O-line in football still. I don't know what Jason Kelsey's going to do as far as retiring goes or whatever, but the Eagles for right now, as it were currently stands, has the best O-line in football. If Joe Mixon is paired up with DeAndre Swift, and I think he's a free agent too, by the way, if Joe Mixon is paired up with another running back in, with the Eagles behind that O-line with Jalen Hurst as the running was as the quarterback with the touch push, I think Joe Mixon kills it up there. He's dominant. And then and what if that happens? Then you're going to have fans here that's going to be like, oh, well, see, why can't we do that with Joe Mixon? See, you, you, you can't have this. You can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. And I'm talking to those fans out there that want him gone. You know, I think that you got to just do right by him and understand that, look, it's just time to move on. I am willing to admit that it's time to move on. And I do think that the front office got to make a decision on him real quick. They just do. I also will caution you, if you think that you can find another Joe Mixon anywhere, check out – I will give you – I can give a plenty of names <laughs> to kind of uh, to kind of reference, but actually one sticks out to me very, very clear to me. The San Diego Chargers used to have LaDainian Tomlinson for many years. Now, I'm not comparing Joe Mixon to LT. Everybody knows LT is a Hall of Famer. Joe Mixon is not a Hall of Famer running back, but he can be a future – Bengals ring of honor player when it's all said and done in his career. I think he should be honestly, but LT was LT for as long as I can remember for the San Diego Chargers. 2009 was his last time that he played with them. And then that's when the Chargers was like, okay, time to, I think it's time to move on. He had to make the, he had to cut that umbilical cord and kind of have to cut the cord and move on. All right. Got to cut ties. And he ended up signing with the New York Jets in 2010, along with uh, Thomas Green, or I can't even remember the other running backs, Tom Jones and Sean Green with that Jets defense and Mark Sanchez going into his second year. That Jets team was loaded, and he was a part of that. But what happened to the Chargers? 2009, they were coming off of a 13-3 season. They were a disappointing one and done in the playoffs, but everybody thought that they had high expectations of going to the Super Bowl that year. And in 2010, they just thought like, Okay, if you just let go at aging, aging LaDainian Tomlinson and we get to just to replenish this running back room with draft picks, we can be operating at a much faster and higher velocity. And in 2010, 
the draft, I believe that the draft pick was Ryan Matthews out of San Jose State or San Diego State, one of those two. Ryan Matthews, that's a name that many, many loyal, diehard San Diego Chargers fans, and I keep saying San Diego because I know they moved to L.A. now, but come on, we're not going to forget that they were just in San Diego. Many Chargers fans will throw up if they hear the name Ryan Matthews because he was dauntedly tasked with the expectations that he should be the next LT. He was quick. He was fast. His college tape was all worldly. And it looked like that that was going to be the guy that they're just going to just take the torch from LT and give it to him. It didn't work out that way for him. And in 2010, in fact, the Chargers missed the playoffs. They also lost to a bad Bengals team towards the end of the season that year. In 2011, they missed the playoffs. 2012, they missed the playoffs again. 2013, they barely make the playoffs as a sixth seed. But nonetheless, and they did beat the Bengals that year, sadly. But nonetheless, their running game was struggling really bad. And Phillip Rivers regressed because they didn't really have a rushing attack. Now, it's not saying that they made a wrong decision for moving on from LT. But they, they just did not make the best decisions replacing him. That is my fear for the Bengals when it comes to Joe Mixon. You can move on from Joe Mixon, and that's understandable if you want to get – but if your idea is you're going to have to look to get better. If your idea of moving on from Joe Mixon is cutting him, understand that other teams can sign him too. And if he ends up in your division and you got to go against him twice a year, don't get mad when he runs for over 200 yards against your run defense, especially if you didn't make the decisions to – like I alluded to earlier in the show – about making a move that you need to on that D-line. Joe Mixon's going to knife your defensive line right up. If Gus Edwards can do it, I'm pretty sure Joe Mixon can do it too. If Justice Hill can do it, I'm pretty sure Joe Mixon can do it too. Enough said right there. So that's if you cut him out right. And he can go to other places, other AFC powerhouse contenders. We mention the Chiefs damn near every time on this show. But you got the Buffalo Bills. Hell, you got the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got the Tennessee Titans. Now that they may be moving on from Derrick Henry, Brian Callahan may be looking like, hey, Joe, you want to come down here in Tennessee? I'll offer you a spot. You'll be able to help set the standard. Now, the standard that he's going to reach, he's going to help the Titans reach. You got to understand that all of that is a possibility if you just flat out outright cut him. But if you're going to move on from him, Understand that you need to aggressively attack that position group and get better all the way around. Don't just cut Joe Mixon and then sign a guy like Zach Moss. And if all you're going to do is just pair Zach Moss with Chase Brown, and it's not going to equal nearly as the production that Joe Mixon will value. And then meanwhile, Joe Mixon, like I said, if he's behind the Eagles offensive line, he's cooking like fish grease. Well, he's cooking with fish grease, I should say. Now fans are going to be crying about why didn't we keep Joe Mixon? You know you're going to have those fans there, okay? Like I said, you're going to try to have those fans that's going to try to have a cake in either two. No, 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 that's not going to happen. You can't let you can't do that now. So what again? I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want, but that's that that's just that kind of stuff that just it just gets on my nerves, man. You got to aggressively invest in the position now. If you're going to go out and sign a guy like a Zach Moss, 
you have a Chase Brown and you draft another guy, let's say in the fourth round or even the third round, if the value position is there, let's say like a guy like a Braylon Allen. And this is and this is your trio of guys. And you are splitting carries evenly, getting the feel for the game, the feel for the talent. Then I can understand that this is the direction that you need to go. And it's going to give as long as it's giving you high level of production. Okay, again, you're chasing after a Super Bowl window. Basically, the Joe Joe Mixon is probably like in that Edron James mode with the Indianapolis Colts. And when the Colts won their first their first Super Bowl in 2006, Edron James was not on that team. In fact, they got rid of Edron James a year after that. I mean, a year before after the 2005 season, Edron James was a free agent and signed with the Arizona Cardinals. But they did have rookie Joseph Adai. He was a part of that championship team. I think the Bengals need to find their own Joseph Adai. It may very well be Chase Brown, but I have not got enough reps out of Chase Brown for me to feel comfortable with a guy like him to take over a guy like Joe Mixon. We haven't seen all four seasons of Chase Brown. And what I mean by all four seasons is that we haven't seen him at his best. We haven't seen him at his worst. We haven't. We just seen him for a few games. That's all we have. We only saw him for like maybe one and a half seasons. You know, you know that character trait where you say like about a person, you got to see a person at all angles and sides, all four seasons of their sides before you can fully commit long term with that person. That's why I am like that with uh, with Chase Brown. I need to see how he is when, if he fumbles the ball. I need to see how he is handling the fumbles or if it's just going to just be one of those things that spiral out of control. Is he going to get worse? Is he going to get better? You know, I need to see those kind of things. I've seen Joe Mixon in all stages, whether if he had a bad game, a good game, whether he's fumbled, whether if he's not fumbled, whatever the case may be. I've seen it all. He was our bell cow feature running back. He was our number one guy. And right now, I think where the Bengals are offensively is they're looking to evolve beyond just the solo guy. But you got to have a lead dog. You may you you can run the committee by approach, but you got to have a lead dog to show the example. And it can still be Joe Mixon. But the decision has to be made regarding the contract. Yes, I get that. But you ain't going to have you don't have to bash him and badmouth him and call him out for his production where the reason for his decline and probably in some of his production is subdued to the fact that the team offensively just hasn't produced up to their standards. Okay. But to be fair, I am noticing a change. Joe Mixon is not the same Joe Mixon that he was even a few years ago when we went to the Super Bowl, when he was a pro bowl running back for the first time in his very own career. He wasn't the same Joe Mixon. He led the AFC in rushing two straight years in 2018 and 2019, he wasn't that same guy. But he's still a productive guy. And if you have a conversation with him and ask him where he's at, let him know where you are at in, in terms of your team. Joe Mixon loves this city. He wants a championship with this city. That's why he took a pay cut to begin with. I think you can make it happen. He can still be a guy maybe in a reduced role. He'll understand if you got to invest in this position, I will welcome that. I would want that because I want to see the Bengals winners. And I want to be a part of that winning organization. It's not about the money for me. I made plenty of money. He can be like that. Again, he was like that last offseason when he agreed to the pay cut. Don't rob him of this opportunity to be a human being. And what I mean by human being, 
by letting him just come to you and being a human and telling you and expressing his feelings to you. That's what I mean. Shout out to Joe Mixon. You have been my favorite Bengals player since you've been on the team. I'm very happy to say that I'm a proud owner of your jersey. <laughs> I really am. I hate what's been happening to you over these last two seasons. You didn't deserve this controversial nonsense. But just know this, Joe Mixon, if you ever get a chance to listen to me, you got plenty of fans in your corner that are rooting for you and rooting for what's best for you. Now, I just had it in my rant on that. We had to discuss that. Joe Mixon did not deserve all of the hate that he's been getting. But also, he deserves the, he deserved constructive criticism and feedback regarding his play. I think that majority of the fans don't hate Joe Mixon. I think what they understand is that the Bengals are an organization that tends to hang on players way too long. And instead of being aggressive in upgrading when they have an opportunity to, and Joe Mixon is a guy that they may lose out on the opportunity to upgrade because the Bengals probably may fumble it and handle it. I get that. Also, I do understand the Bengals uh, side of the coin here. And that's if a player is done right by your organization and right by your team, they deserve to see their contracts through, especially a guy like Joe Mixon. He ain't he ain't like what we signed a, a fridge and contract to to Trey Wayne's a few years, a few years ago. He ain't that. He's been producing for you. He did everything you possibly could have asked him to. But nonetheless, I digress my point from Joe Mixon. Anyways, I'd like to thank you all for joining me on the solo cast of the Running Through the Jungle episode. One more time, I want you to please like and subscribe to the show. Ding that notification bell if you're on YouTube so that way you can get that alert from when we go live on our show. When we drop our next episode, we're on all platforms of Spotify, Google, Apple, no matter where you get your podcast from, we are there. We are there. But I appreciate you all. Everything that you guys mean, I mean, all of Bengals community, you know, I appreciate you all. The conversations that I hear throughout Bengals Twitter, whether if I'm in these Twitter spaces, whether if I'm listening to other people's podcasts, just understanding where they are in their trains of thoughts. Comparing them to mine and my train of thought, I appreciate it all because this is going to be a long off season, man. It, this off season has really just started, and we just need to band together in unison and understand that we still coming for that championship, man. We still need that championship, and we're still going to we're as tough as it was to end the season on the standards that we didn't set. We know we'll be right back there. Catch us next time as we run into the jungle. Your boy, Justin Lacey. I'm just bangling around.